Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so the city of Austin files an appeal to ban gun owners from City Hall. That's right, so the city of Austin decided that they're going to appeal uh, the ruling last January 2019 where they lost a case where license holders can carry handgun inside City Hall. They said they're going to appeal to the Third Court of Appeals. Also, the Marine, a Marine, gets his entire unit killed because of a selfie. That's right. So this Marine, uh, they actually were doing an exercise, and they're in the States, just a, a regular training exercise, and he decided to take a selfie of himself being bored. And he said, you know, quote, I'm bored. And so because of that selfie, that picture he posted, they were able to find out where he was located and able to kill his entire unit in that exercise. A police officer's duty belt falls off and a store manager is killed. Well, you know, you know I just, I, I don't understand how in the world um, you let part of your equipment fail and you can't do your job. Just keepers, that's all I'm gonna say is keepers. And let's discuss Texas House District 47. That's right, we got, it's, it's, it's the political season. We have candidates running for office. We need to find out, you know, who we're going to support um, and find out who's pro Second Amendment. And let's get down to it because I need to know, you know, what's going to happen in 2021. And now it's time to get involved right now and educate ourselves on all the candidates. So we're going to talk about House District 47. So with that, you know what? Let me welcome to the show Justin Berry. Hey, Michael, how's it going, bud? Outstanding, Justin. Justin is running for state representative, District 47. I am. I, it's, you know, it's a, it's a great district. It's, uh, it, it encompasses primarily western Travis County, but we do have little bits of Austin and southeast Austin, southwest Austin, a little bit of northwest Austin, and a lot of bee caves, Lakeway, Valente, the whole western Travis County area. And so, so Justin, um, you know, what, what are some of your, the main things that you're, you know, you're concerned about? What made you decide, you know what? I'm going to run for District 47 as a state representative because, you know, now's the time. You know, I, for me, a lot of my reason for running was I got really tired of seeing the lack of common sense and good judgment taking place in the political arena, especially here in the Austin area. You know, I've been dealing a lot with, uh, been a big advocate for public safety and watching our 
public safety get diminished and devalued in this town, which is now we're now seeing an increase in violent crime uh, trend taking place. So I want to bring back common sense and good judgment again. I want to focus on a a representation that is, that is literally for the people. You know, when you make things that are not about you, but for the people you represent, um, it's very easy to answer the hard questions and to answer for why you do what you do. And having been a police officer for 12 years, I'm very used to uh, having to answer for my actions. Right. And then, yeah, because the talk of the town right now is the homeless situation that we have in Austin. And, you know, that's something that the governor has stepped in on, you know, because I thought it was maybe a, a city level issue. But the governor stepped in and, and started, you know, providing resources and stuff like that and helping out the citizens of Austin, you know, with its, its homeless state. So, you know, what's your take on all that? You know, my take on it is, is I think the governor was was right to stay out of it for as long as he did until his hand was forced. Um, I mean, that this is really a local control issue. It was the policies that were passed here in the city of Austin, such as the Freedom City policies that took away officers' discretions for Class E misdemeanor arrests, which is, hey, there's someone defecating on my storefront. I would like for you to enforce the law and remove this person. Instead, under Greg Kassar's Freedom City policies, officers are not allowed to make that arrest for Class C misdemeanors anymore, and therefore they're, they're left there. <laughs> so, you know, when you see those policies that are implemented at the local level that take place, um, the governor's hands were, were kind of forced to get involved. So uh, I do appreciate him coming in and, and helping our community out in this time. No, absolutely. And because and some people think that I don't it, there's a, a movement, I guess, a grassroots movement that's, you know, talking about the fact that we don't need as much law enforcement. Um, and so I'm going to we come back. I want to ask you a little bit more about that. Um, I want you to tell us, you know, what are some of your you know, what do you think we should do in the city? you know, to curve our homeless problem. Uh, where, where do you think, um, you know, because, because the bottom line is this, people are upset because there's a lot of crime that's going on right now. You know, a lot of crime. And, <clears throat> and uh, this year, you know, it's 2020 already. And we're at like, you know, only halfway into the month of 2020, not even, we're not even past the halfway mark. And we've already passing numbers of 2019 as far as like, uh, fatalities on the road and, and things of that nature. So I want to get some of your thoughts on, you know, what, you know, what should we actually do, you know, to curve that? And where is the city council going wrong? Um, how can the state, you know, fix those issues? And then we need, you know, we, I think we need more law enforcement. I think we need more officers, more trained officers on the, on the road uh, in this city, you know, to take care of some of these issues. And, we're going to talk about that as well. And also, we're going to talk about, man, the city of Austin, they filed this appeal to ban gun owners from City Hall. Man, Zach, they don't want you to be able to carry your handgun inside City Hall. Yeah, they don't appreciate all the work you did to make that happen. Yeah, that, that's cool. I mean, instead of focusing on this homeless issue, uh, instead of focusing on traffic, you know, and those issues, they're saying, you know what, we're going to go after gun owners. We're going to go after the, the law-abiding citizens, and we're going to pick on them. Let's go after the demographic group of people who commit the least amount of crime. Yeah, that's isn't that crazy? And yeah. then also, man, we released our um, commercial uh, of the bump stock lawsuit. Released that this week. So that's right. We're going after the, the federal government, going after the DOJ, Department of Justice. We're going after the ATF. Uh, we're, you know, we, we're, not, we're not holding any punches because we're saying, hey, you know what? Bump stocks... Uh, it's and it's really not about bump stocks. It's really not about that. You know, I'm not a you know, I don't really care about bump stocks. What this is about is that there's something that I actually owned, and a government agency, 
a state agency has decided that I'm sorry, a federal agency has decided that what I owned is now illegal. I can no longer own it. I need to turn it in. And if I don't turn it in, I'm a felon. And they don't have that right to do that. That is something that is reserved for Congress, not for a government agency. You know, they are a department, an executive branch of, you know, of our government. They don't have that right to do things like that. So we're, we're firing back. We're coming back and we're uh, we filed with uh, you're going to see this commercial doing the break with the New Civil Liberties Alliance where we're saying, hey, enough is enough. We're going to fight back. We're fighting for the people. We're fighting for you. We're fighting for all of us, because once they come for one item, there's nothing's going to stop them from coming for the rest of the items. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hello, this is Gerald Darty, and I'm the Precinct 3 County Commissioner here in Travis County, and you're listening to Come and Talk It. Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We're back. We're talking about the city of Austin. They filed an appeal with the third court uh, to stop gun owners or license to carry handgun license holders from being able to carry their handgun inside City Hall. We won that case in January 2019. And so the city of Austin came back uh, just right before before Christmas and filed the appeal, you know, to stop it. So we'll see what happens as we go to the third court. And also, man, this Marine gets his entire unit killed because of a selfie. That's just unreal, Zach. How does that even happen? You know, technology is crazy. Did he really get him killed? Well, he didn't really get him killed. Okay. So did anybody die, though? No one died. No one died. (laughs) No one died. Okay. But... You know, that that can cost, you know, your entire unit that can cost them their life, you know, because uh, technology and because we have a, 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 a huge military, a very powerful military. And so the only way to to stop that is through our technology and to stop us. So if Iran decides to, you know, use our technology against us. And so there's, you know, showing uh, these different Units now, like uh, they, uh, a unit deployed from um, part of the 82nd Airborne Division, they deployed to um, to Iraq this month, and so they refused to let them, you know, they didn't allow them to take their cell phones with them. So because of this issue here. 
It's understandable. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we have Justin Berry inside the studio, and Justin's running for state representative, House District 47. And so, Justin, tell us, you know, your background. Where are you from? Yeah, so I was born here in Austin, uh, Seton, right downtown. Um, I was raised and grew up out in College Station, Texas. Went to uh, college at Sam Houston, the Sam Houston State University. I've always wanted to say that on the microphone before. Um, <laughs> went to Sam Houston State University, got my degree in criminal justice, and later got my master's degree in leadership and management. And I've uh, worked here locally for a law enforcement agency for the past 12 years. Nice. And what's your stance on the Second Amendment? I, you know, I'm a big believer in the Second Amendment. I think it's, it's, you know, it's our second uh, Bill of Rights. So it's a very important bill. It's there for a solid reason. And I, I'm a big believer in the part where it says it shall not be infringed. I think it's, it's pretty crystal clear on what that means. And so when, like, open carry uh, went into effect in Texas— mm-hmm. Uh, did you think it was going to be an issue, you know, with license holders being able to open carry or conceal carry their handgun when that law changed? There's always a debate when that's anytime you deal with uh, law enforcement. I mean, not law enforcement. Anytime you deal with uh, uh, firearms and open carry and not carry, I think it's it, it's always going to be a debate on that. You know, everyone has their different opinions, different views on it. So, you know, I was really proud to to have worked on some uh, gun legislation this last session. Um, and well, that was my standard when I was asked, cause you, know, a lot of people always want to bring a law enforcement person to talk about anti second amendment stuff there. There's a big push for it. And I always tell everyone, I was like, let me read your stuff and look it over. And, and I'd have to tell them time and time again, this is an infringement on a person's rights to own a firearm. This is, you're going after the lawful gun owner. Um, we know we were able to work on HB 95 last session, which, uh, I think was a solid bill. It, it went after the unlawful gun owner, the person that is a convicted felon or, an illegal alien or someone that's not supposed to lawfully own a firearm, it went after them for lying on their background check. And so I was a proponent for that bill because it went after the unlawful gun owner. Um, I think we need to preserve the rights for our lawful gun owners uh, at all costs. Nice. Okay. All right. And then, uh, so let's, let's go back to the city of Austin a little bit and then in this homeless issue, because um, looking at your, I think you wrote something really in depth about, you know, the Austin's homeless problem, you know, and, ways that we can actually fix that, you know, cause so you can, can you tell us a little more about the, you know, that issue there? Yeah. So, um, if you go to my, my campaign Facebook page, um, Justin Barry for house district 47 <clears throat> or Barry for Texas, I, I wrote about it and it comes from my experience being a, being a law enforcement officer for 12 years, being a mental health officer, um, growing up as my mom, my mom's a social worker. She worked for Brenham state school back in the nineties, back when we had state schools, uh, that were funded. And so my experience comes from growing up around the mental health community. And one thing I've noticed with with all the calls that I take here involving the homeless is it's not a broad stroke issue. And that's one of the things that I find very frustrating when I listen to uh, the city of Austin leaders talk about homelessness. They paint it with such a broad stroke. And it's not. You have some people in the homeless community that are truly mentally ill. And by mental illness, again, another issue that's a broad stroke issue, I'm talking about the people that cannot take care or provide for themselves. They, they simply cannot. We need a situation, a solution for them that focuses on either refunding the state school systems and allowing their lawful guardians to have a choice. Do they want to put them in to the state school system again where they can be fed, they can be housed, they can be in a safe environment, or just leave them out on the street? But I think that's a choice for their lawful guardian to to look at. Then you have those that are uh, addicted to drugs and alcohol. They're going to require their own uh, treatment. you know. And if you've ever had a friend or family member that's gone through uh, an addiction— it's usually not the first time that they're going to get treatment. It's going to take time and time again, but that constant pressure eventually gets through and it has a profound impact on someone's life. Then you have those that are truly homeless. They Maybe they lost their house because of a fire or they lost um, 
uh, just lost employment or they aged out of the workforce or they had a spouse pass away. Now they have to go try and get to the workforce again. Those people are the ones we need to address first. They're the ones that are in that temporary situation that are used to working, that are used to providing and caring for things, used to abiding by our laws and social norms. They, we need to get them uh, help soon before they go down that downward spiral of depression that comes with being out of a job. And then lastly are those that just want to live that lifestyle. They don't want to have to adult or they don't have to pay bills or taxes or do anything that the rest of us have to do. Those people need to be held accountable to the law. You're going to abide by the law and the rules that we have. And if not, you're going to be held accountable and or go to jail. Yeah, because unfortunately, the majority of people that, you know, that I see, you know, around my business and where I am, you know, on Ben White between South First and Congress and just all along Ben White there, that whole little corridor. You know, it's it's usually, you know, issues of drugs <laughs> and and people don't want to admit that, you know, it's and, and I, I find very few people that are there because, you know, they that they can't make it. Yeah. You know, it's usually there's some type of addiction or mental health. Mm-hmm. The majority of those issues. Um, I mean, there's you had the guy that was right there at Ben White who been there the entire time. I've seen this guy, you know, really go down. He used to be a really, you know, buff guy and all of a sudden now he's really skinny because he's doing drugs, people. And then all of a sudden one day he gets a, you know, gets a whiff of a K2 and flips out of that intersection. Starts banging on vehicles. Uh we we have the the guy, the homeless guy that actually beat up a jogger, you know, or some lady and then guy comes along, you know, tries to stop him. He gets like what a 100 days or 99 days or something like that mm-hmm. and and then he's out within a matter of like a week or so yeah. or something like that. It's just like it, it, it's not people want to blame law enforcement. Um, it's a this issue is going to be a city council issue. This issue is going to be our judges, you know, our prosecutors. They are not taking you know care of this issue the way they should take care of it. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I openly talk about that. You know, every time I hear someone's like, oh, we need to enforce the laws. We need to enforce the laws. I want to remind people the enforcement of the laws falls on our police department. It's our police officers that are there tasked with enforcing the laws. The problem isn't them. They're enforcing them. The problem relies on the court system, your district attorney, your county attorney, your elected judges, your appointed judges at municipal court. They need to start upholding the law. That is a fundamental pillar in our community that ensures the long-term safety for our community because it sets a deterrence for others to commit crimes in our community or a deterrence for those that want to come here and bring about their addiction issues and stealing and theft and things like that. It's a deterrent for our community. It's like, this is not a safe place for you to come here and steal from our stores, assault our, our community members, sexually assault our, uh, our, our, the, the females in our community, our, our children in the community. This is not a place for that. And until we set that as our standard and we uphold the law, and make that a priority again, we're going to continue to keep having this emboldenment problem where you're going to start seeing more and more violent crime taking place. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, all of, like, Congress was shut down one day because some guy decided he was going to climb onto the uh, uh, the the crane there uh, on Congress and throw rocks down on everybody. You know, who does that? You know, I, I, that's a mental health issue. And, and, you know, and you talk about the drug addiction stuff, and, and a lot of times drugs and mental illness go hand in hand. Some people self-medicate with, with narcotics. And you have to look at, because right now there's a big push to stop the, the war on drugs. You hear a lot about that because it's, it's been viewed as a failed war. Um, I certainly am kind of on the fence one way or the other. But when you stop going after the supply chain that are f- 
funneling crack into our community, that are funneling methamphetamine into our community, it's 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 more prevalent here. It's you go outside the arch, that is the open air drug market. You can drive by and see crack rock in people's hands openly. But the courts aren't prosecuting those cases. They're deterring, they're deferring them, they're releasing people. And while they're on those substances, they're committing violent crimes. There is a direct tie to that. And you know, and honestly, here's here's how I I, I t- what I tell my employees. I said, look, okay, you know, we got to be on our P's and Q's in the mornings. And here's why you got to be on your P's and Q's in the mornings. Because in the morning time, you know, these people they're they're waking up. As they're waking up, you know, they're they're still hungover and they're tr- you know they're trying to get that next fix. Well, the drug dealer's been working all night. You know, they're not up yet. They don't get up until about one o'clock in the afternoon. So these, you know, you got people that are gonna, you know, running around our area doing things until they get that first fixed by 1 p.m. until the drug dealers get up. And that's just the, that's how we live. It's the reality. It's <laughs> the reality. Yeah. You know, and that's why we see certain things that happen in the morning times, you know, in our, in, in the city, you're wondering, well, why does this happen at seven o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning? Why is, how does this person, you know, go into the coffee shop or to a sandwich shop and, and just all of a sudden flips out, you know, that early in the morning? Well, because he's trying to get, you know, they're get, trying to get that fix. That and the drug dealer's not up yet, and they're waiting for the drug dealer to get up so they can get their bump for the day and and continue their day. Yeah, it's it's a very sad thing when you see this, especially when you deal with victims. But we don't make uh, victims uh, a priority in this community. I, I hate saying that, but it's true. We don't make uh, victims' rights a priority in this town. And it to me, it's heartbreaking to deal with someone that's been a victim of violent crime or sexual crime, and they look at you for help and you. All you can do is just route them to these resources when you know from your experience that they're not going to get the best care, the best attention that they rightfully deserve. All right. We're talking about Texas House District 47. We're talking with Justin Berry. He's running for state representative, House District 47. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We're back. We're talking about the city of Austin. Yeah. They filed an appeal to stop the good guys from being able to protect themselves and carry in city hall and on city property. You know, and that's just crazy to me because, 
you have all these things that are happening in the city. Uh, you, you have ladies that are getting their handgun license because they're concerned about their personal safety. And the city is saying, hey, you know what? Well, we, we're going to stop you from, you know, from being able to walk from your vehicle downtown into City Hall. You know, well, we know, you know, it's just a madhouse down there. And so, you know what? We're going to fight back, though. So they're taking this to the third court of appeals. And so we will continue our fight with that. So the city of Austin has filed the appeal. So we will continue the fight. And we're going to fight until this fight is over. Also, we have Justin Berry. He's running for Texas House District 47 uh, inside the hot, the hot seat here. Let's talk about red flag laws, Justin. So what's your thought on those? You know, those are an issue that that I still am keeping an eye on and watching. And I'm, t and I'm torn. And, and I'm fundamentally torn because, like I said, I've been a police officer for 12 years. So I've seen uh, people uh, murder and assault people. I've also seen people who've defended themselves. and it's a tough thing for me because we live in a new time right now. And I actually wrote an op-ed on this that, that I'm, I'm still working on filing it out. I believe we need to set our community up for success. And, you know, I'm, I'm very hesitant to be in full support of red flag laws because I see that infringement line when it comes to them. However, I also see, some of the common sense approach to it is if you have someone that just committed domestic violence against their spouse and they get out and immediately go to try to purchase a firearm, um, to me, I'm like, we need a cooling period. You know, I call it more of an intercept rather than a, a permanent ban on you ever getting something. So I'm open for allowing people a pathway once they've cooled down to go back and, and, and enjoy the right uh, to the Second Amendment. But I am open to a cooling down period for very limited um, things, such as domestic violence or sexual assault. Well, if sexual assault uh, prior to being co convicted, I'm, I'm open for a little cooling down period on certain certain violent and sexual offenses that may have been committed prior to a conviction. Just because in that cooling down period, it allows you the opportunity to maybe think a little more rationally instead of emotionally, so you don't make a poor decision. Because I think everyone has probably made a bad decision out of emotion. Uh, when they're not thinking clearly. And so if you can get within a 48, 72 hours, or even a week cooling period on certain stuff, uh, especially when it comes to someone that maybe has made threats of suicide or made attempts on suicide, but they haven't, they're not really an unlawful gun owner, and you can kind of give them a cooling down period to make sure they don't make a bad decision, I think we're actually looking out for one another that way. Um, that doesn't permanently take away their right from ever owning a firearm. All right. So the, the way the federal law is right now is that if a person is charged with domestic violence um, against their spouse, then they can't buy a gun right now. And I think that's the difference between a charge and a conviction, though, because right. a, a charge doesn't always show up on their background checks right. uh, where a conviction would. And so if they're not being fully honest, which is why I, I was a proponent for HB 95, it allows a pathway to go after someone that's being dishonest locally or at the state level instead of waiting for the federal system that's already overburdened and overloaded on their caseload, but actually allows us at the state level to be able to intervene for the protection of others. Okay. All right. And then... Felicia, what you got? Thought you were gonna ask something. You're all alert. Oh, I was just getting off Twitter, so I didn't get yelled at again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're all like, you're all um, alert. Yeah, no, I mean, I like Justin for the most part. Um, <laughs> he is. Um, I think he's a true advocate for the Second Amendment. I do have some red flags about your thoughts on red flag laws. 
Um, I do like how you talk about um, it's after the crime, right? Mm-hmm. After a crime. Or, or, and not necessarily, you know, a la Donald Trump. We'll take the guns down and do process later. And I and I think that's one of the things that I've been listening to and watching and, and the hearings and the talk about red flag laws is there are no crimes or uh, charges or and definitely no convictions before these red flag laws that we've been talking about in Texas, I guess, for around the last 18 months or so. Um, and and so I think it'll be interesting to watch you and your future candidate debates and what happens after after the primary um, but I think it's important that everyone knows that red flag laws prior to any charges or convic- convictions are like a non-starter for the two-way community. That's just not yeah. something that we're going to put on. It's just not not something that we're going to allow to happen. And so I think it's important that any GOP candidate who is running is is a, a, aware of that. And that's why I mentioned like I'm very hesitant on it because like I said, there is a component that attaches on the infringement line of it, you know. Um, due process is an American right. It is, is a reason our justice system is built around due process. And that's why it's very hard because when you can see something, foresee something coming out of experience and things like that, it's very hard to stand by and just watch to allow something to happen, knowing it will have detrimental impact on people's lives. However, at the same time, though, there's also that deterioration side of your rights and your liberty that has to be weighed. And that's something because of how controversial this issue is, and this is what I started earlier, when you make this not about you but about your constituents, that's where I'm going to reach out to the precinct chairs. I'm going to reach out to the stakeholders and reach out to my voters and the people out in District 47. And whatever their feedback is, that's the way I'm going to push the button. Because at the end of the day, I'm just the guy that pushes the button. So for me, however I push that button, when that comes up, it's going to be based off of who emailed me, who called me, who wrote me letters, who reached out. Those people, when I have that list of yeses and nos right next to me and whoever the majority is, that's the way the button's going to get pushed. Um, so it's very hard for me to foreshadow what my constituents are going to want from me. But I can tell you those are my personal beliefs on it. But, again, this isn't going to be about me. It's going to be about what my constituents want. And I think that's important since there are so many candidates in this race. HD 47 GOP voters have – a ton of people to choose from. I yeah. offhand, there's five, maybe six candidates. Um, and you know, I don't live in HD 47. I am blessed to have um Miss Cecilia Israel. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but hey, there's no secrets with her. I know exactly what I'm getting. You know, um, she is very um principled in her stances, and I would love if the GOP could mimic the principles that the left seems to have in the Texas House. Because I have a bet with a friend at work that the Texas House will flip mm. this year. Mm. It will. Um, 100%. The Texas Tribune did an event. Uh, I had a panel last uh, last week that I was able to listen to. And, you know, Beto, bless his heart, is no longer a presidential candidate. But he's out there block walking for candidates. He's out there working his tail off. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'm looking around Austin and... We're all whining and moaning on Facebook and social media, but I haven't seen anyone block walking who's not running. Yeah, It's been some of the quietest and slowest political season I've ever seen. And I've personally been doing this for a decade. And that's, you know, you bring up a good point because there's five of us in our race. And, you know, we all have our different little backgrounds where we come from, our different platforms that we're fighting for. I mean, we're all Republicans for a reason because we're going to fight for those, 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 I call them the, your, you're immovable. So you're just not going to move away from them. That's what makes you a Republican or a Democrat for the most part. And so for me, 
you know, my, my stuff is more on public safety and those things like that. And I encourage people, whatever you believe is the most important issue this next session, which my belief is going to be public safety. I mean, the governor's been talking about left, right, center. We talked about violent crime stuff. I believe public safety is going to be on the uh, on the spotlight this next session. And I tell people, if there's a horse that you're, you're looking at or you like in, in my race, back them. Get behind them. Uh, hopefully it's me. But if it's not me, get involved and help out. Because like you said, block walking and getting involved is the probably the, the most important things you can do is get out there and block walk and knock on doors and help get the message out. And I, I would encourage people to definitely look at my platform, be an informed voter. Um, but if you're on the fence, you're still watching who's going to come out of the primary, then I'll get behind that person. I think it's a little hard to do in a five-way primary. You, you need to help the horse that you like get to that finish line so they can go to the general and, and get the job done. So let me ask you this, Justin. Um, so what what is it about the, the public safety, like this past session, you know, some things that, you know, that were brought up that you didn't like? Uh, the biggest one was uh, uh, Moody's bill, Representative Joe Moody's bill out of El Paso. You know, I call it the Lazarus bill. It changed names different times, but it basically took away – an officer's right to make classy discretionary rest. It was a very controversial bill. It got killed and that, came back. Was that the pot bill? The marijuana no, bill? this was the classy discretionary rest bill. So basically, no longer being able to arrest for classy misdemeanors that were um, fine only stuff. So like basically defecating in public, um, urinating in public, um, misdemeanor theft, um, all those small little petty offenses. And the reason why we st- I, I personally took a strong stance, and so did the law enforcement communities. We knew what that meant. We knew what was happening here in Austin because we had already been dealing with that under the Freedom City policies, and it's led the way for this homeless issue to flourish because when you can't enforce those laws and you have your business communities, your residents all feeling unsafe and looking to you like, do something, and your only response is, I can't arrest them. I can give them a ticket and walk away and leave them there. It's not going to fix or solve any problems because it's not going to be a deterrent to that. And we didn't want that taking place at the statewide level. Just imagine that, the state level. So we knew what was going to come as a result of that because we were already watching it take place here in Austin. So that was one of the big issues that we know is going to come back again this next session. We, we, we fundamentally know it. Um, unfortunately, uh, we have Austin to look at as a result of what happens when that's actually implemented. This is what can come out of it. Now, what about those people that say that, you know, the reason they're pushing that bill, Moody's bill, is because um, sometimes – uh, it's it's abused. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and I tell people, and, and I was very open to this, if it's training that we need of what the community's expectation of an officer's use of discretion is, then let's fund that. Let's create a, a class that says our community as a whole, us as Texas citizens, our expectation of your use of that discretion is X, Y, and Z. Let's give the training that's needed so p- there is a crystal clear understanding of what discretion is and how it should be implemented and used um, and in what scenarios it should be. But still not taking away that tool that law enforcement needs to ensure that our communities are safe. Exactly. What you think. Hmm. I mean, a lot of different ways that it could go. So last week, Greg Abbott announced that he was going to be um, allowing, or he was going to have DPS officers patrol around uh, state property, the Capitol complex and such. Um, how is that going to help the situation? I fully welcome it. Um, I know uh, it may not be popular amongst some of my peers and colleagues, but but I'll tell all of them is this is not a reflection off of you and your abilities to do your job. It's just they are allowed to do things that was taken away from us. We're not allowed to go out there and enforce some of these Class C misdemeanors. They are. They aren't held by Austin's policies and procedures. They have their own that they get to go by. 
So they can be a great asset in the areas that where we are not allowed to fully enforce the law as needed. All right, we're talking with Justin Berry. He's running for Texas House District 47. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hey, this is AWR Hawkins, Bright Bar News. You're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Your next chance at $1,000 with a big cash bribe is tomorrow at 8.03 on Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We're talking about House District District 47. Uh, that's an, a very important district. It's a battleground. Uh, House District 47, just so you know, has a population of over 175,000 people in the district. And it sits within the western part of Travis County and includes the cities like Bee Cave, Lakeway. And this district flipped from red to blue in 2018 when Vicki Goodwin a Democrat, uh, defeated eight-year Republican Paul Workman with just over 5,000 votes. And so Goodwin spent 128000 compared to Workman's 116000 during that 2018 election, just so you know. And so currently, you know, she's sitting at like $50,000. You know, I, well, she, I think she's over that now, so I don't know what she has. I didn't get a chance to look at her report before we came on. But, you know, she's sitting on a nice little little purse there, you know, for her house race, you know, to uh, get reelected. And so, you know, you have a bunch of candidates out there right now uh, that are trying to unseat her because um, mainly uh, I, I, I didn't like her Second Amendment stance at all. Uh, this past session, uh, she came out swinging against law for gun owners. And so because of that, you know, I, I didn't like that at all. So I I figured, you know, we need to get involved in this race, House District 47, and make sure, you know, we get someone in that seat that's going to support the Second Amendment. And you had some questions there, Felicia. Well, just about HD 47, it is easily a flippable seat because Mm. historically it's always gone red. But we had the Beto effect and we had a bunch of Republicans not getting out and voting. We had a bunch of Republicans not getting out and working races. And I personally never donate to campaigns financially. I donate my time. But we didn't have – we had a lot of people not doing either. Um, and so as as an Austin resident who works downtown, 
we have we have problems. We have very severe severe problems. We were we were talking off air a little bit about how whenever I walk around downtown, I don't feel safe. We have a buddy system. And then last week we were at a restaurant having lunch and we looked out the window and there were just, you know, three homeless guys there rolling a blunt. Now, don't get me wrong. Weed is a whole nother story, right? (laughs) But if I was sitting out on the sidewalk and I rolled a blunt, I would bet money on the fact that I would have been approached by law enforcement. So how do we address that? How do we build up the morale of our law enforcement officers so that they can protect us? And what can the state house do in 2021 to address this issue without stomping on the toes of local government? Because I do believe in local control. Yeah, you know, and and I'm definitely, I I believe in local control as well. Um, Like I said, that's why I said earlier, you know, I think it was wise the governor stayed out for as long as he could until it just got to a tipping point where he's now left to have to do something. He just can't allow Texas residents to be victimized. Um, You know, we we definitely need to make sure our court systems are equal. You know, the city of Austin uh, passed a resolution in 2017 where they openly talk about how they're proud to have an equitable criminal justice system for our city of Austin courts. You know, that's a key word for me. When I hear equitable, it's a fancy term for unequal. Um, That's all that term is, is unequal, um, where you treat one people one way and another people a different way. And I I have huge issues with that fundamentally. Um, It's definitely an un-American value. Um, So we need to make sure our court systems are providing equal um, uh, justice. And we also need to make sure that the courts are doing their jobs so that officers know that when they go and enforce the law, that they're not going to be on an island alone. Um, because what happens when you go and enforce the law on somebody that you already know is going to be let go or dismissed, um, even if you have them on video breaking a law, and now you get in a fight with this person, all that's going to be talked about is the video of you getting a fight. Use of force, there's no pretty camera angle on a use of force incident. It's always ugly and violent. It looks bad because it is bad. But when you don't have the court system backing you or upholding the law, it's very hard to get motivated to go enforce those 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 uh, I call them broken windows laws. Um, and there's a group out there called Campaign Zero that is very prevalent here in Austin, um, and they are pushing for the end of broken windows policing. Um, and I, and I see their point of view on it because you're talking about low level stuff, this small stuff that have impacts on people's lives. I you know we can look at that again. That goes back to the discretionary use of that enforcement, discretionary arrest knowing when to use it and why you're using it and articulating for the use of it in your police report. But at the same time, we need to have those tools to go out there and do those jobs. Yeah. And I get that. It's just hard when I can't walk anywhere without being Mm -hmm. harassed. Yeah. You know, it was, I mean, last Monday we went to lunch. It was 1230. It was the middle of the day. Everyone's walking around. Everyone's running errands. And this obviously homeless woman followed us. Mm -hmm. A group of, there were five of us, uh, including two males, followed us, screaming at us for five blocks. No law enforcement. I guess the bystander effect was in full effect. No one even said anything. Then, three days later, we're downtown for a friend's birthday. We walked from work. Um, so we were still closer to the Capitol complex. We weren't on 6th Street or anything, which shouldn't matter, right? We should be able to feel safe in our city. Yeah. Um, and I actually had one of my male coworkers walk me back to my parking garage because I knew that I was not going to feel safe alone because they're hanging out in the alley. I walked past people with needles. 
mm-hmm. uh, right behind my office building. And it's just, I don't know if Greg Abbott's increased DPS patrols are going to help. I don't know. And I've seen on Twitter that we have a lot of openings for APD officers. So I don't know what we can do in the interim because we can't do anything legislatively until 2021. Right. So do we just tell everyone to go get their LTC and carry and hope you never have to pull the trigger? But, oh, wait, don't expect to go into any city buildings while you carry to protect (laughs) yourself because they don't like you to do that either. Yeah, it's it's a flawed thing. See, it's easy to go after lawful abiding citizens because it's easy because you're going to abide to by the law. They they know that, so it's it's it makes lawful gun owners an easy target for for policies. The hard spot, the hard job, is dealing with those that break the law because it's not easy. How do you get someone to stop being a criminal? It's a hard thing to do. Um, I'm a big believer in recidivism reduction as a pathway to improve. Um, um, people's behavior. So when they get out of incarceration, you get them on a pathway for success, a big proponent for that. Um, But in the interim, what can you do is keep putting pressure on your local leaders. They have the ability to impact um, policy decisions at a faster rate than they do at the state legislature, because this all stemmed from local government making policies that led the pathway for this growth. And they are the ones that can react the quickest to help getting policies back in place to address this the quickest. So people need to continue putting pressure on their elected leaders, your city council members, and your county commissioners, and your judges, and start putting pressure on them saying, listen, we're tired of this. Do your job. Do what we elected you to do. Uh, we didn't elect you to go out there and let our town go to shambles. We didn't elect you to go out there and make us feel unsafe. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see financially what this does to Austin and downtown. Mm-hmm. Because I know that we... Like my entire friend group doesn't go downtown anymore. No, and it, and, it, and it, that impacts the businesses that are down there, the people that employ people down there. So that's what people don't realize is you want to talk about keeping people out of homelessness. Don't take away their jobs by forcing the, their owners to shut down. Yeah, you're going to create a bigger problem when you do that. Right, Justin, how do people find you? <clears throat> how can they donate to your campaign? How do they, you know, find your 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 different stances on different topics? So you can go to my website. It's www.barryfortexas.com. That is B E R R Y. You can go to follow me on Twitter. It's at Real Justin Barry. Um, or you can go to my Facebook page on uh, Texas for House District 47. I'm very active on social media, especially on Twitter. And I'm very responsive to emails. All right, awesome. Man, I want to thank you for coming on and, and, and us you know, figuring out who you are and getting to understand you. And we, as we start our research, decide on who we're going to support uh, for House District 47. Also, other seats. I want to have other candidates in here as well. Talk about their stance on the Second Amendment, their stance on, you know, some of the issues that we're facing, the real issues, you know, not some of this other stuff that, you know, we have no control over, but the real issues that we're faced with day to day. And so those are some things and I'm glad you're able to come in here and answer those questions for us. Well, thank you for having me for this opportunity. And and like I said, I, I encourage everyone to be as informed as you can. The most important person is an informed voter. Absolutely. Now, may a federal agency rewrite a federal statute. May they rewrite you know, just turn otherwise innocent Americans into criminals overnight. Well, you know what? I say no, not on my watch. Under our Constitution, the answer to those questions should be an an obvious no. Congress and only Congress alone has the power to make law. The executive branch, which includes federal agencies and departments, possess only the power to enforce it. 
But if the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Explosives, ATF, gets its way, it will possess the power to make law and enforce it. A federal statute outlaws machine guns, but it does not allow bump stocks devices that attach to a rifle and allow it to fire many shots in succession. Now, for years, the ATF correctly concluded that bump stocks are not illegal machine guns under federal law. All that has changed now. It changed in 2019 when the ATF switched course. And so now we're going to we're going to fight. We're going to make a stand. And so I ask you to join me in that stand and join me in that fight as we talk about this over 2020 of what we're going to do to try to stop this. Because if you come after one item, you'll come after them all. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.